Hey, faithful listeners. Do you have an idea for an episode topic? Do you have your own opinions about what we talk about when we talk about zombies? Do you suspect someone of mind wizardry? Are you your own grandpa? Do you suspect us of mind wizardry? Let us know what you're thinking by emailing us at suggestions at lifenarrated.com. listeners and welcome to life narrated the podcast about life and the stories we tell my name is emily and i am a city that has just achieved sentience my name is lauren and i am an iron shoe cobbler (laughs) my name is matt and i'm a sad puppy today we're going to talk about the hugo nominated short stories for 2017 just so we all know i'm gonna read out all of the titles and the authors so that those following along can like pause and go read them the first one is The City Born Great by N.K. Jemison. The second one is A Fist of Permutations in Lightning and Wildflowers by Alyssa Wong. Our Talons Can Crush Galaxies by Brooke Bolander. Seasons of Glass and Iron by Amal El Motar. That Game We Played During the War by Carrie Vaughn. And Un- An Unimaginable Light by John C. Wright. Um, we were just going to go down the list. Uh, what, so, the, the City Born Great, you were talking, um, Lauren, that you hadn't finished it. Yeah, I started it, and then I didn't like it, and then I stopped. <laughs> I got a I <laughs> thing really quick before we actually jump into these. Um, so, here's something we should talk about before we start, like, uh, yeah. uh, doing this. Do we want to consider the authors and their backgrounds as part of the narrative of the writing? That's no, because I didn't research that. <laughs> well, neither did I, but it could be important. I mean, I think what maybe you're asking also is the context of the Hugos. Does that matter? It, yeah. Okay. That's kind of where I'm getting at. Is like, should we worry about, like, well, this yeah. wasn't a great story, but coming from this person in particular, it's a great achievement. I think that no award is not political, and I think that... Since that is what people are going to be considering when they vote, I think we should be considering that as well. Okay. Well, how about then I will look up the authors on my phone while we discuss them. Because I actually want to hear what you guys think of most of these before I weigh in. Okay. Being the sad puppy that I am. (laughs) So I... Uh, I'll look it up and then you guys can uh, For those of you discuss. who don't know, uh, sad puppies and rabid puppies last year kind of invaded the Hugos and they wanted their, um, they're basically MRA Nazis and they wanted uh, their, you know, cishet white guy uh, fiction back. And it was a whole clusterfuck. So this year we're kind of recovering from that. And um, I think that is kind of the context in which a lot of people will be viewing these um, these stories. So, A City Born Great is by N.K. Jemison, and I know for a fact that she is a woman of color, and also that she won the Hugo last year for Best Novel. Um, the I think hmm. the fifth season last year was her book that won. She wrote a book by that name. Yes, I don't know if that was the one that won or if there was another one. But her, she also has a, another book this year, which is the sequel to the fifth season, The Obelisk Gate, 
which is up for a Hugo. Um, oh, she's like, pump him out, huh? Yeah, so she's real hot right now. Um, and she has made a point of, of talking on Twitter about how she loves to be nominated for these things and how she loves to... Um, the fact that she is getting recognition and that she's a woman of color in this space that is traditionally not held a ton of women of color. However, she's like, can you stop you know, nominating me for things and maybe read other people's <laughs> like other women of she's color. She's also the first spread spread it around yeah. Yeah. a little bit. Like she's the, the first woman of color to win a Hugo Award in the best novel category. Yeah, okay. So nice. ever. So she is the darling right now of the community. Well, I think the Hugos specifically are very can be egalitarian because all you have to do to vote is pay like hundred fifty dollars and that's it. Like that's all that's necessary. It is money, but it's also not an astronomical amount of money. Um, well, it's not like so exclusive as like the Oscars and stuff. Like to become right. a member of um, like a union or whatever. Like most, a lot of unions, you have to be like I know specifically, but like for the cinematographers guild, which a lot of my teachers were in, you have yeah. to be invited. Like someone has to basically say like I will vouch for this person. Oh so, wow, that's weird. Yeah, so it's very exclusive. In yeah. a lot of regards. Yeah. So, and, well, and then in addition to, like, the hours and stuff. But, like... Yeah. <laughs> you have to have, like, a sponsor. Um, so, let's talk about The City Born Great. Ha, um, what it, uh, You didn't finish it. I started reading it, and I was like, I wasn't sure about it. But I think once I got to the end, I was like, holy fuck, I'm so glad I finished this. The... <laughs> It kind of got awesome. Um, basically, what happens at the end? Spoiler, if you want to read it. Oh, by the way, yeah, it, spoilers for all these things because yeah, this is, go this read is it. what we're talking about today. So, <laughs> Come it'll take you like Come an hour. Light. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, basically, what happens is that uh, in the beginning of this story, this person is spraying spray painting mouths and eyes onto buildings and. Uh, they were talking about how uh, it's the city is breathing, the city is you know growing and becoming a city. And at the end of this book, it's like or at the story, it's like the city emerges in, into sentience, and this character that you've been following is the city. And the the person that they had been talking to was Sao Paulo, like which the is city a city. In Sao Paulo, the actual yeah, but city. it is the city Sao Paulo that came to New York to help New York achieve sentience. And then at the end, New York is going to, I think they went to Tokyo? No, no, Mulholland or, Drive, uh, California. L.A., I think? Yeah, yeah, they, I think they went to L.A., yeah. So, like, all these cities are, like, helping each other achieve sentience, and there's some sort of force that tries to attack them just before they do it, and they fend it off themselves. And it was really, it was a very interesting story, I thought. I thought it was really... What do you think, Matthew? So, I, I liked it a lot, especially when it got, like, to the 75% mark, where, like, it started becoming yeah. obvious that there was, like, actually some, like, supernatural things going on, or, like, yeah. there was, like, some sort of fiction happening, as opposed to, like, yeah. the first 75% of the, the short story, where it was just, like, all right, there's, like, street urchins running around, like, drinking coffee and, like, getting angry at Sao Paulo for no reason, and, like, yeah. sleeping with him, kind of, for some reason. And, yeah. like, it just was, like, weird. And then, like, by the, the last 75%, or the last 25%, it was like, oh, cool, it's all coming together. Like, there's a city, and they're, yeah. like, having giant city of monster battles. And that, that was cool. <clears throat> it, it was kind of a slow burn. And, yeah. like, 
I was reading her other book that won the Hugo because I'm trying to read all the books. Um, I'm not going to read the one that's nominated this year, <clears> but I because it's the third in a series. But I'm reading the first in that series, um, and it was it's. I haven't even gotten into it, and I think I'm not going to read it because it's just it's a slow burn. Yeah. Also, it's written in the second person, which is like a hanging crime in my <laughs> in my book. But that's a real choice, right there. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a choice, a bold choice, a bold choice. But I did like this. I didn't like it for the first seventy five percent of it. So yeah, I have to agree. Well, and so like, <clears throat> here's uh, something I noticed about a lot of the different nominations this this time around, or just this year anyways yeah. um, they all have to like a lot of them have to do with like people who have supernatural abilities like godlike abilities not like Superman you can like go real fast but like yeah. literally gods that can like embody a city or like take manipulate reality the fabric of like space and time yeah yeah and yeah. they had to do with like <clears throat> not and like part of the plot had to do almost like allegorically with like non-standard sexuality or uh, something yes. else like that and it was like and this one wasn't like it wasn't really part of the plot but there was like a part where he like kind of slept with Sao Paulo for like almost no reason like it really yeah. didn't need to be there at all well I mean and like this is why I call myself a sad puppy to begin with because like I feel like I'm going to say this a lot during the this uh, discussion but like why <laughs> you know like except if except if your point is to make a story in which this gay black guy can be New York City. He's like the representation of New York City, and so like if he's the important characteristic of New York City that makes New York what it is, then like everyone else can go to hell because like that's the most important like the essence. Yeah, like of it. yeah, it's basically raising up this like like double minority to the place of like absolute importance, which is important in its own way, and like I can't argue with that. It just didn't I seem think... super important to the story. So I. Th- think that in a lot of these the point is that they are non-heteronormative and I think that's the point is that our expectation is that uh, heterosexuality is the norm but that we're walking away from that I think speculative fiction is in this place where we want to it's not the main point of the story it's not even a point of the story it's just there like and I think also I think it's partially both of those things that I think New York is best represented by a gay black man and that we are moving away from heteronormative you know stories just in general and like I I can I can accept that it just seemed um, out of place I guess yeah, and I think if it's something that you're not used to reading, then you it, your mind dwells on it more than it should. Mm. But I think that's also part of speculative fiction that you kind of like, okay, I accept this world in which this is the norm, and, and maybe that is a reflection of our world, and you have to kind of think about that. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I think for a while I, this was my top choice for the nominee. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know anymore, <laughs> but um, that was my top choice so, for a while. So I did like it a lot as well. Um, I think it was one of my top choices out of the five or the six that we read. Um, yeah, I liked that he that the character had like a very strong voice. I f- it felt like yes. in some of the other stories, some of the characters were just kind of like stand-ins for 
They just weren't very well fleshed out as, like, characters. Yeah, and you know, I think part of it... All of these stories, I'm beginning to realize that speculative fiction short stories are really more about the idea than about the story or the characters. And I think a really good short story is can have all those things. Um, well, so, like, the last one, I thought, uh, was had, like, very strong characters and, like, very well-fleshed-out characters. Not the last one, I'm sorry. Okay. The, um, I guess we'll get to it. But Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. We'll go to the next one. Um, okay. The next one is A Fist of Permutations in Light- uh, Lightning and Wildflowers by Alyssa Wong. Alyssa Wong also is nominated for another Hugo for a book. Where is my list? Um, <laughs> hold on. There's like a shit ton of socks in my purse. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> what, um, are you, what are you doing with those socks? <laughs> I, it's none of your business. I, I have, uh, well, I I mean, have needs. That was, that was your choice to tell us about the socks. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I made a little young. like graph. So she is also... Maybe I'm just uh, crazy. So Alyssa okay, Wong, American... Mind. Uh, of Chinese and Filipino descent. She studies fiction at North Carolina State University. Oh, She's working okay. on the street from us in Raleigh. Hey, now. Oh, hey, homie. I probably know some people who know her. I don't know why. I, th- I think maybe she won another year. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Uh, was nominated in 2016. Her novelette, You'll Surely Drown Here If You Stay. Yes, that's it. The Nebula Best Novelette. And then Hugo Best Novelette as well. It was nominated or it won? It was nominated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know as much about her as I know about N.K. Jemisin. In 2015, she won the Nebula Nebula Award for Best Short Story, Hungry Daughters of Starving Mothers. Okay. And uh, she won a bunch of other awards. And she was nominated for a bunch of stuff as well. Okay. But yeah, Alyssa Wong. Alyssa Wong. I um, like this one a lot, even though it was hard to follow. Um, That's what both me and Lauren were saying, too. It was We liked it, but it was like difficult to understand what was happening. And one of the reasons I, we discussed is that it's like an, a nonlinear in nature. Like the order in which things happen aren't really important, just that they did happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard for us to follow it just because... It felt like a fever dream. Yeah. Or like someone's just it like... Did. You know, just saying random shit, and then at the end of it, you're like, so I think this is what happened. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that you've heard before in short stories, like someone can control time, someone can control the weather, but like the way that it was... Classic story of (laughs) time and weather control. (laughs) But like the way that it was done was like um, very emotional, and Mm -hmm. I thought it was a very interesting way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. It was uh, interesting. I, I like the non-linear nature of it. Now, the more yeah. that I think about it, it, despite it being difficult to follow, it's also kind of cool that you really can't describe what happened so much as, like, or, like, what order things happened in. I don't know. Like, I couldn't say, at the beginning, this happened. At the end, this happened. Well, it, yeah. really, it really left me, I will say, with, like, and this this might seem like a stretch, so, like, take the ride with me but like when I was thinking about it later because I was just like I I was telling Matt when I was reading it it was like really late at night and I wanted to read it but I was just like what the 
shit. <laughs> I actually ended up reading it like all the way through twice. Oh. Like, you know, just starting over and been like, this, I didn't do this right. I need to start over. <laughs> but what it left me with was this sense of like, you know, in the story, their sisters, one of them uh, goes goes to college, like goes away, and then the other one stays home. And the sister who goes away um, is the one that gets caught in these time loops. And she's like, so over and over again, she's uh, trying to get home to her sister because there's something going on with her sister that... And again, this is kind of my interpretation of it, but like yeah. whatever's going on with her sister is really bad and kind of causes the end of the world. So she's trying to well, get back to her sister. What happens is that her sister, who is trans, commits what? suicide. Yeah. Did you not get to No, that? I didn't get that out of it. Her, her sister is trans. And once again, like, um, why does it matter? Go on. Well, I think this is really well. Part let me of the okay. Story. Well, so even now, so even now, knowing that before I even really knew that, I was like, okay, so her sister is going through something that is really like destructive, and she feels isolated, and she's at the same time is like, it's not about you. It was never yeah. about you. There's nothing yeah. you can do. Like this is the way it is. Exactly. But I think so. All to get back to kind of the feeling I was left with is like the other sister, the one who moved away. She has to see her boyfriend die a bajillion times. She has No, her sister die. Her sister dies, but like the end of the world stuff happens, right? And she's like, I, you know, I have to wake up and then Well, okay, so she doesn't see him die, but she's like she wakes up and she sees him and then she knows she's going to get on this plane and the world's going to end and then she goes back in time and then sees oh. him, you know, so she's getting all torn up and she gets she gets emotionally wrecked by everything that's happening, and I. But she's not emotionally wrecked about the boyfriend dying. She's no, no, no. Wrecked it's about her sister dying. Right, right, right. But I'm saying she has to witness these painful things over and over again. Yes. So like, she like so I right. She's not like sad because her boyfriend dies. What I mean is like she's sad because she has no control over it. So she's like, I might see you later. I probably won't. <laughs> I also yeah. want to point out, and I think just, it's her roommate, not her boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right. It's the roommate. Um, but, like... Yeah. The, I, but, like, at the end of all of this, you... Everybody's story, like, it kind of left me with this, like, you can't compare your sorrows. Like, everybody is going through something, and everybody is really uh, af- affected by the same things differently and to different degrees. And so... Seeing someone go through something is not the same as going through it yourself, but that doesn't mean you don't experience, like, pain and grief. And so I was yeah. really kind of left with that, like, being being empathetic towards somebody is not the same as, like, having those experiences. So now knowing that the sister was trans, it's like, yeah, I'm not trans. I can never identify with that, but I can identify with certain aspects of like maybe feeling isolated or feeling alone or misunderstood. So that's and really I what I kind of got out of it was that like everybody has every everybody experiences emotion yeah differently yeah. but also the same. I think part of it is also that uh she I find it interesting that like she's okay so the sister kills herself in the first permutation of the story the sister kills herself because her parents are horrible and treating her horribly and beating her 
so she kills herself and um the the sister who moved away comes back just in time to see it basically and gets so upset that she <clears throat> wants to tear apart the world and so she's going back and back in time trying she to gets- prevent her sister from killing herself and she just keeps on I mean there's nothing she can do to stop it basically yeah and I think part of it also is like other people's decisions are other people's decisions and you can't be responsible for that and I think that's something that's a lot of people who have family members or loved ones who've committed suicide have to kind of deal with and it's like it's not it's not Mm. anything to do with you even though you feel this pain and you feel like it is Mm -hmm. to do with you it's you know it was their choice and that's what they wanted that's interesting. I, I like that interpretation. I, I kind of reduced it down like really far. I think I missed a lot of that. I mean, obviously I missed the part about the, the sister being trans, and now the fact that the parents were always yelling at her about wearing dresses makes sense. Yeah. Although I just thought they were just like super religious parents, and they were like, don't kinda, dress too sexy. I kind of got that too. Like, I didn't, I, I also didn't take away the trans yeah. um like aspect of it I thought it was they were being like overly critical of her and like over I definitely got like overly religious in the sense that it was like this is what it this is what a woman is be this person but I didn't yeah, for, for a while, I wasn't sure because I remember it, like the the dresses and everything. I was like, "What's the matter with wearing a dress?" And then there was one line that I was like, oh, "Okay," and I don't remember what it was specifically. Otherwise, they, they I use would a, it to you. the he pronoun and one in one line. Oh yes, and I got That's confused by that too. It. But the whole thing was like a fever dream. So I was like, "This person's just yeah. like crazy." I just like let's skip over that word because like yeah. well, half of this doesn't make sense anyways. <laughs> I think I, Which think I would that... caution writers about that. So right. it's like two okay, so two thirds of our like you know yeah. of our readership, which is the three of us. If nobody else, <laughs> I didn't say that right, but two out of three of sure. us didn't catch that. Yeah, and I think maybe it doesn't matter. I think uh, the effect is the same. Hey, it doesn't matter. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys got out of it what you were supposed to get out of it. That I mean, this girl was troubled and having issues, and she committed suicide, and then all of these things happened. Um, you so, know, I but know. I also wanted to talk about <clears throat> at the end. That this is how I distilled it down to a more simplified solution than the, the either view. Remember, she was on, at the end, the last permutation of this time loop that she keeps going through to try and save her sister. Yeah. She's just like completely desolate and doesn't can't think of anything else to do to try and save her. So like she misses her flight. She doesn't even bother going to see her sister get killed again. And she like picks up the phone and calls her. I think. And it's like yes. the moral of the story is just like reach out to people you love. Like <laughs> <laughs> call sometimes. Yeah, why don't exactly. you? <laughs> What, um, wait a second. I thought at the end of the story, it's been a while since I read it, that the sister that moved away ends up dying, and then the sister that stayed there, like, starts destroying the world. No, okay, so uh, maybe this is different than, I read it differently than maybe you guys did. Uh, but the way I read it is that the sister who was trans, apparently, was having trouble at home because she stayed at home. And so she was, like, the more powerful of the two sisters, and she decided to kill herself by setting herself alight and, in so doing, destroyed the universe. And the other sister wanted to prevent not only the universe from being destroyed, but also her sister, more importantly, perhaps. Okay. And so she went through... and But this other sister was super powerful as well, so she, like, looped time a bunch of times to try and save her sister. But then eventually 
she lost control of the loop and couldn't get out of it. So there were a bunch of like references to her, the, the sister that moved away, trying to kill herself. Um, yeah. But being unable to do it because she would just come back in the time loop. And so un- being unable okay. to break out of this time loop, but also being unable to save her sister, which is what she wanted to do to begin with, she just became despondent at the end. And as it turns out, you can just call someone on your cell phone without magic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I I guess I didn't take away for the, the end call like that. I think I took away from the end call, like, I'll just be here for her while she's here. Like, I, I didn't take away that this sister had decided not to commit suicide. You know, it, 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 I might have added that myself. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, just that it... Uh, she knew it was going to happen no matter what, but just that she decided to be there for her um, up until that point, you know. So I get the impression, we're kind of reading it now, it says, But my hands fumble over the touchscreen, thumbs sliding wet over her face on the contact screen. She's programmed in the same stupid anime ringtone I have on my phone, and it jingles inanely, all synthetic voices and preordained sound. I wait, mouth dry, my body shaking like the sky above the Mojave before it rains, painted in brilliant feverish strokes in my head, the daisy chain grows. Yeah. So. Wait, does she pick up the phone? I can't. At the I mean, end, the the sliding, the thumb sliding wet over her face on the contact screen. Like, yeah, I she, doesn't uh, she doesn't answer. She doesn't answer. She's think? crying. She's crying, and she yeah, doesn't answer. But she slides her thumb over the thing to like answer the phone because because oh. her sister's calling her. Oh. Okay. Because she didn't make it. To town, her sister's like, "Well, why aren't you here? Let me call you." And then the other sister is like, "Well, I guess no. I'll answer the phone." And at the very we, least, this is different than what happened the last couple times, right? Do we think that this is? I mean, I I think all of the things we talked about is true, but also, <laughs> like at the end, it's like this is kind of a if you got on that plane. Then she kills herself, but if you don't get on the plane... She calls you to be like, why aren't you here to watch me die? Yeah, Yeah. basically. (laughs) You can't see this at home, but I'm very confused. And and I think this is good, though, because it's things things that are, like, difficult spark good conversation and provoke you to think harder about it. But there are just certain aspects of it that I'm just like... I think think also, too, it, it is like... a fever dream that's just how I'm always going to think of this yeah yeah absolutely but there very much is the like the writing style there very much is just like a lot yeah (laughs) and and I will go on record on my podcast about narratives that I enjoy description just as much as the next person (laughs) but when you start getting into Hawthorne territory where it's like 20 pages of a rose bush I gotta I gotta cut you down (laughs) and I so there is a little bit I think of that going on even even in that line that Matt just read it's like how the fuck do I know what the Mojave Desert looks like before it's about to rain I don't know I just feel like there's a lot of imagery There's a lot of imagery and a lot of, like, description going on, which can... And maybe this is just me, but, like, I feel like my brain, it's like... what My brain's like, yeah, what does the Mojave Desert look like? Oh, shit, nope, now I'm gone. I, like, <laughs> focus, focus, focus. Focus, focus. And, um... I will okay. say it was yeah. pretty short for... Compared yeah. to some of these other ones, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... <laughs> it was an actual I short lo- story. <laughs> I liked it um, a lot. And it, it was, was great. The yeah. running. 
The next one is Our Talons Can Crush Galaxies by Brooke Bolander. Did you say talons um, or talons? Talons. 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 I heard talons. talons. Um, this Hot was actually talons. one of my favorites. Um, and it's very short. Um, have you guys read it? Yeah. We read it. So tell me what you think, Max. So, uh, so uh, right. So I made a list. I made two lists. <laughs> I made a list of things that I liked and a list of things that I didn't like. Yeah. And I will say that I, I did enjoy this a lot. But um, I'm going to, if if I may, I would like yeah. to do what I did for Matt earlier when we were talking about it. <laughs> and <laughs> the list of things that I like, I, yeah. I wrote down. I'm just going to read it. Yeah. Uh, sisters. Yeah. Poetic justice. Sure. And then I wrote down the antagonist's attempt to justify his actions um, and I just wrote like sounds familiar. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Sorry. I just wanted your attention, and you wouldn't oh. pay attention to me. Yeah, is yeah. what he said. He's mm-hmm. just like I just I just wanted you to look at me. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that, and that kind of goes that kind of feeds the poetic justice of like, well, we don't always get what we want, do we? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed the format. Um, yeah. The things that I did not like. <laughs> yeah. I put certain phrases. Well, really, almost to the point to say it, like, grossed me out. Or I was just like, ugh, ugh, yeah. ugh. It was a little gross, yeah. Um, the, the, well, I, I'm curious, it's not probably what you think it's going to be. The phrase that I hated the most, and that was <laughs> gross, was when she's talking about mortality, and she says, there are lullabies, lily pads, and summer rainstorms. <laughs> and I literally was just like, what, what, ugh. what? This is that's fucking dumb. That's fucking <laughs> I, dumb. <laughs> I no, that was part that's of the that's point. how you're gonna like summarize like all of your time as a mortal. Like, um, I think that thing, was part of the point, though. The other thing that I didn't like, I said for someone who wants to tell her story, she's very abrasive with her reader. <laughs> um, and then the last point, which I think this is where we get into a little bit of the 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 obvious controversies of this story. But I wrote, I said she also seems pretty petty, considering <laughs> her her obvious power. Has she really never encountered a sociopath before? She's been around for millennia, and yet she goes on a revenge rampage instead of trying to really create change. Now, I'm going to address that last one real quick, because, like, he didn't know that she could reincarnate. So he, like, straight up murdered her. No, I, I agree. she's not supposed to be mad? No, no, no. It's not about not being mad. It's not about not being mad. It's yeah. that she's she's clearly this, like, ancient, incredibly powerful creature. And yeah. this is the first time that she's ever encountered maybe... And, and she says that she has been born again yeah. multiple times. She, yeah. you know, but this was the one that, like, got under her skin. And I just really felt like... It, it To me, it just rang of, like, so we are not supposed to see her as an enlightened being. Like, an ancient, no. wise creature. She no. is She is definitely, um, she is definitely angry. And, and even though I 100%, let me go ahead and say, she's, I, I feel like she's justified. Because she, she can yeah. reincarnate herself. So, like, you know, it's like, okay... Yeah. But she just, she says she shows up, and 
they may or may not have killed him. Like, the definition of him being alive isn't oh, really yeah. explained. They, like, yeah. Just kind of smear him over <laughs> time and Several space. realities, yeah. Yeah. I but think... It, but I, I, I just felt like... I get The reason I said this, like, I just... I felt like... If she she has this amazing power, maybe it's implied, hey, why not, like, kind of show him just how fucked up and dumb he is? Why not, like, force him to be empathetic? Why not, like, show him how, like, insignificant he is and why, like, the things that he wants don't trump other people's lives? Or, like, Um, do the Dr. Manhattan thing and just be like... I am so far above your bullshit that, like, it literally doesn't matter to me. Like, I am a god that created galaxies and universes, and me and my sisters run roughshod of reality and time. But, like, you, little man, are the one who's going to have all the wrath of all of us. It just seems, like you said, extremely petty, and on top of it, like, just like a weird revenge fantasy that, like, is it's not compelling narrative. It's kind of a weird revenge fantasy for me. I guess my uh, part of it, I think I thought of it differently than you. I didn't think of these sisters as, like, all-knowing beings. I kind of thought of them as, like, very powerful beings who live in seclusion, possibly. I thought the tension between her, like you said, because if she's, like, this person who keeps on getting reincarnated, clearly, I mean, you haven't ever been murdered? Like, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean... People get murdered all the time. No, um, but I didn't get the impression that she had been murdered, like you said. And I think that part of it is that they don't typically interact with sociopaths or possibly humanity at all. And then this is, like, the one day she's walking out in the world, she gets axe murdered, and she's pretty pissed about it. I don't think of them as benevolent beings that no, are not gods. I think they, I mean, they obviously, to me, sounded something much like a harpy, or, like, that's I was yeah. definitely the imagery. Harpy. Yeah. With the, like, screeching. I agree. The, that's what I thought at first, but then they kept going on about, like, how they can, like, go through space and time and do crazy shit, and I was like, well, that doesn't yeah. sound like a harpy. Space eagle. Well, it's a very, yeah. space eagle. A very, very powerful creature, you know, yeah. that is like a harpy, because yeah. well, she talked about feathers a lot, so yeah. that was the, what I thought. The way I think about it, too, is, like, if an ant does something to me, like, even if it, like, kills my physical form, if I can reincarnate and come back, I'm definitely going to kill that ant. But I'm not going to, yeah. like, write a short story about it and, like, get really angry about it and, like, <laughs> Like, I don't care. I don't care about that ant. It just, whatever. This isn't even an ant story. It's about me. Like, it just seems so incredibly petty. And, and, I, is, and I think it's supposed to be somewhat, like, empowering, like, in a weird way. Maybe empowering is not the right word. But, like, I think it's supposed to come across as, like, yeah, woman power. I'm like... She's not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> She's not That's a, a human point. woman. She's not. Like, th- if this was a story, like, about an actual human woman who was, like, y- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, we, if we found out at the end of the story, like, with the, you know. And mother- that novel exists and it's very popular. It's called The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Right, <laughs> right. But, like, right. Like, at the other story where you're like, she's transgendered, we're like, oh. Like, if it was at the end of this story where you realize that, like, she sees herself as this 
creature. Yeah. Then, a good twist. Then, you know, she's like, I'm a powerful, like, goddess. I can crush galaxies in my hand. And, you know. But it and, turns out she's just like a crazed axe murderer who spread his body across several counties. That would be cool. I was going to say the, the, well, see, or like, you know. It's all a metaphor for the legal system. I don't know. (laughs) I like. I I mean, like, but there wasn't that. So, like, I was kind of left with this, like, so you're this like god creature who gets pissed at this guy who's a shithead. Like, please, like, do not mistake me. He's a horrible person and is also a fictional person. So I feel fine saying he got what he deserved. Yeah, yeah. But she herself, I'm just kind of like. All right, bitch, calm down. Like, stop yelling at me. I'm on your side. Well, I think um, that the reason that I really liked it is because I thought of them as harpies. And, like, if you kill a harpy, like, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Like, that was, I mean, re- revenge is their thing. Right. That's why yeah. it was kind of like, well, obviously, you're going to get murdered. <laughs> you dumb. You're going to be dead. I yeah. mean, there is a lot of harpy imagery, but, like, the author just moved away from it, like, almost as soon as he or, or she said it. It was like, oh, I'm a bird and I was in my nest and, like, my sister's reincarnated in me, but also we can go across time and space. And it was like, well, wait, what? what's going I on wasn't, here? I wasn't really adhering that closely to definitions of harpies. I just, the, I think, I wonder if she did this on purpose, that she was implying harpiness. To yeah. kind of, because for me it worked because, well, obviously she's a harpy type creature, and like you don't mess with harpies, or are they gonna kill you? Um, yeah. And, and so I that's kind of why it made sense to me. I appreciated the opening paragraph where she talks about like heroes get names and villains get names. That was really good. But the victims, you know, they, they're the ones that get the like autopsy shots in like the SVU shows. I, I really like that as well. I, thought I that really was very appreciated that. I, yeah, I really I, like that. And then, and that's what I was saying too, is like, and that's where you lost me. Cause I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're not a human being. You no. didn't die. Really? She even says, she even says that like my consciousness or whatever had left the body before he actually before the deed was done so yeah. she so she didn't even i don't know if that's because she can't die so that's how her like reincarnation works or if she was like oh fuck i'm out and yeah. then let the and then let the mortal body die i think she was like, like oh fuck i'm out like yeah but you don't even care enough about your vessel or whatever I got the impression that she know. was avenging victims, especially the yeah. because of the first thing that she said, that she was like, it wasn't doing this necessarily for herself, but for all the people that had something similar happen to them. What? But oh. also... Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, in the beginning, when you guys were talking about the, you know... I, the victims get their, you know, bodies splashed across, you know, news channels. People talk a lot about that when, like, police shootings. Like, the people are like, well, don't show the video because it's just the last moments of this person's life. And, like, don't it's you like think that's like a snuff that film. Sh- yeah, and, like, you're, like, glorifying the death of this person where we should be thinking about, you know... Persecuting, not persecuting, prosecuting, <laughs> prosecuting. Let's use the proper term. The you know the person who did it, and it should focus on them and not on the person who died and their you know death. I guess I don't know. I really like. I agree that that was like a really important and valid and like 
enlightening port, part of that story, but the rest of it was just kind of like a very shallow revenge fantasy and like <laughs> great. So there's two things that I want to bring up that I didn't that yeah. we haven't talked about yet. Is like, um, uh, did anyone else get the feeling that it was like a rape murder? Yeah, that's that was what I understood it to be. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, we keep saying murder. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Rape. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> second, second thing is that um, I actually really did like the character's voice. I thought it was like of yeah. all the stories, the strongest. Like, most relatable voice. Like, someone who I would like talking to, probably. I fucking love the imagery of, like, and I and that's why I wrote that, where it's like, when he's just like, I didn't know what you were, and I just wanted you to look at me, and and she's like, and then she's like, so looking threw, at the, now. The, threw the cigarette down <laughs> on the floor, is like, well, you got it now. Like, I did. That I was really good, yeah. love the imagery. I was like, she's such a badass. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. like, it just I was mean, like a shallow plot, I guess. I definitely don't think the the main character is supposed to be like likable in any yeah. way. Um, I think my problem is that I keep trying to like it's like I want her to be this like really powerful like woman figure, but then I'm like, oh, but this for this to make more sense to me, she has to be this like fictional fictional, yeah. but like um like goddess character. Like yeah. I can't see her as another woman, like another human woman. Yeah. Because I have to see her as this like creature thing. But then I, it just I my brain kept going back. She's a harpy. She's a lady. She's a harpy. She's a lady. <laughs> and I was just like, damn it! Like certain parts of it, I felt like she was a like the beginning. I felt like she was a woman reaching out to other women, or not even necessarily women, but like victims reaching out to victims. Yeah. And then other parts of it when she's like, we're in our, like, Chrysler Dodge Mercury <laughs> car That thing. imagery right there was pretty awesome, though. They were, like, in a convertible, just, like, flying down the highway. I, I definitely thought Valkyrie at that point. I was like... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like I couldn't... Like, my brain couldn't... Wanted to put her in a role <laughs> so hard, and it kept bouncing back between two or three different things. Well, and I also want to point out, like, imagery like that is, like, what revenge fantasies are made for. <laughs> like, <laughs> to have cool shots like that. Yeah. I, I honestly think, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to close it up. Close um, it out, yeah. I, ju- I think it was great. I think I think we can all say we enjoyed it, but it was just kind of, like, certain parts were, like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. I think at its base it is a revenge fantasy, even if it is, like, avenging, you know, the myriad victims of everybody who's ever been, you know, rape-murdered. Yeah, but, um, like, a re- it's a, a revenge fantasy is still just a revenge fantasy. Yes, I Like, agree. it doesn't matter, like, I don't know. I think you, people are going to want to give it more credence because it is, like, of the specific gender nature of the crime and the specific gender nature of the revenge. And yeah. I think that's... That's great, I guess. I just don't think like we should give it any, a pass for being a, a shallow plot. Okay, because yeah, of those and I, I agree that the writing and the voice was very good. So yeah, um, but I yeah, and uh, we didn't talk about uh, Brooke Bolander very much, but um, her novelette and you shall know her by the Trail of the Dead was a finalist for the 2016 Hugo's, um, and then. Uh, she also was a finalist for the 2015 Nebula and the 2016 Locus Awards. Um, yeah, so she... Oh, and also this story is also nominated for the Nebula. Um, hmm. 
So she's she's an old hand at this. She's American um, and is known for her speculative fiction. She went to the Clarion workshop. Interesting. And the story, just in case we forgot, is called Our Talons Can Crush Galaxies. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, Seasons of Glass and Iron by Amal El Motar. What do you guys think about this one? Um, I loved it. I thought yeah. it, I made another list. <laughs> yeah, like let's I do. hear the list. I said, girl power and allusions to lesbian love. <laughs> um, I like the allusions to the bol- polar bear king. Yeah, Anybody? yeah. Familiar. This is one of my favorite stories. I definitely um, love that. I like the unique ideas behind each woman's story. Like, and what I mean by that is like they're not unique concepts, but yeah. I really like that they each had a moment where they're like, "This is my story," and they're very different from the other ones, but they have that common hmm. thread yeah. of abuse. Um, yeah. And then I really loved how like the biggest obstacles are our own thoughts. So, like, each woman had um, a different story to tell, but, like, the things that, the things that, like, hurt them the most were their negative thoughts or, like, these thoughts that, like, I deserve this or this is what I need to do to, uh, like, be penitent or to keep myself, you know. So, there's a lot of that, like. Can you, can you give a quick summary um, of the story? Yeah, so uh, so the story is about these two women. One of the women, um, and I might mix up their names, but I'm pretty sure it's Tabitha, is um, walking the world in these, like, magic iron shoes that hurt her feet and, like, you know, are slowly crushing her, but she has to wear down seven pairs of these iron shoes. Yeah. And um, the she can, like, it allows her to walk on water. She can walk on air. Um she can walk on glass, she can walk on anything, and she even says the more difficult something is to walk on, the faster they wear down. So, like, the more difficult paths she takes, the faster the shoes wear out. Yeah. And then there's a girl named Amira, I believe, and Amira is a princess who's sitting atop of a glass hill, and she sits there, and she... um, cannot move she can speak but she cannot move and she doesn't want for anything like she doesn't need shelter she doesn't need food or water um but she grows this golden apple in her hand so she can eat the golden apple and the apple is what like gives her sustenance and then it immediately like replaces itself Mm -hmm. so she always has like an apple so you learn that these women's stories are so essentially tabitha walks up the glass hill and they befriend one another and tell each other their stories. And you learn that Tabitha's husband is a bear mm-hmm. um, who at night, like, she fell in love with him. And at night, once they were married, he would turn into a man to, like, lay in bed with her and presumably have sex, I guess. That's usually <laughs> what that means. Yeah. We, they yep. laid together. Mm. As barren wife. As barren wife. As barren And he talks about... Um, uh, he, but then he, you know, he started off being very kind and very sweet. And then as bears are wont to do, he began to get like very abusive towards her and began to hurt her, um, in both his bear form and his human form. And this is where we kind of get into like the polar bear king kind of story was that, um, 
she gets really homesick. She asks to visit her family. And he says, yes, you can visit your family. Don't talk to your mother. Yeah. Well, she does that. And her mother mother. convinces her to burn the bear skin, telling her that he's under a curse and he wants to be a human being. But if you don't get rid of this bear skin, he will always be mean to her or whatever. Yeah. So she gets back to her husband and throws his bear skin. So, like, at night, he literally sheds his bear skin to become a man. Yeah. She throws it in a fire and instead of it burning up, it starts screaming. (laughs) And he... So that's when he kind of, like, curses her, basically, and he says, he, like, throws his, like, burnt bear skin on her and throws down the seven pairs of iron shoes and says, you have to wear down these shoes and only then can I be a man at day and nighttime. Yeah. And you have to, there's seven for every year of her marriage, right? So she, feeling like she failed this test of loyalty to her husband, Goes off into the wilderness or whatever with the iron shoes. Amira's father is the king, and apparently, like, all the men were just, like, eye-goggling her. And he's like, what am I to do? Like, if I marry you off to this person, this person will be mad. If I marry you off to this person, this person will be mad. It'll tear my kingdom apart. And so, basically, she decides to sit on top of this glass tower where, like, like, she's basically unattainable. Yeah. And so there are suitors that come to her every, like, spring season. They leave in the wintertime because yeah. it's too cold. But they come in the spring season and they try to climb the glass hill. And they can't because their horses can't make it up. And so they're all cursing and yelling at her and screaming at her. And she's made herself, like, unattainable because her father's made her believe that she is responsible for the way these men behave. And yeah. that she is the reason why these bad things would happen to the kingdom. Yeah. And then they basically yeah, I, fall in love, I think, but not yeah. necessarily romantically. Yeah. But they fall I mean, in love with each whatever. other, and they they eventually free each other from saying, like, you know, you don't have I'm going to do take this. off these shoes, and you can, like, come down from this hill. And I think there's even this great moment where she's like, why don't you marry me? Like, Tabitha yeah. says, like, would you marry me? And, like, not not in the sense that maybe you would have a husband, but that we can get away from this together. Yeah. And that's when I kind of had that, like, really beautiful, like, oh, they love each other. They want to be together. But they're also acknowledging, like, hey, this is different from yeah. the social... No- like, I'm not going to be your husband. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because there's yeah. a lot of, like, aspects of different myths in there. Or fairy tales. Very fairy tale, like, that you were talking about. For instance... Like, the Iron Shoes from Cinderella, and the Bear from the Polar Bear King, and the Apple from, you know, Snow White, basically. Um, And then also the the girl, very much reminded me of living in Saudi Arabia, like, um, because women in Saudi Arabia are definitely told, like, the way that men act around you, that's your fault. Right. um, You you should be more modest. Yeah, not the fact that they've never seen a woman in their life, and they're not even sure if they have legs, because they've only seen, like, them in a bias, but, yeah, they're just, the way that they're acting, that's because you're too sexy, so tone it the fuck down. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, her, it's interesting, because her story, Amira, Amira, was that her name? I think it's Amira. I can look real well, fast. It's, it's fine. Uh, Amira's story is very Arabian Nights, and um, Tabitha's story is very Western European fairy tale kind of deal. 
It is Amira. As a side note, the author is Canadian. Interesting. Yeah. Amal E. L. Mohar. Is it a girl or guy? It's a woman, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I actually, this is my least favorite, to be honest, of all all of them. I'm sorry. No, Uh, no, no, it's okay. um, But I think it's because I'm tired of fairy tale retellings. Like, it's been very popular um, the last couple of times, and or a couple of times, the last couple of years, <laughs> and that's a, that's a real measurement of time, and um, <laughs> yeah, I think I was just, I was kind of rolling my eyes through the whole thing, even though hearing you retell it, I was like, yes, I like this one, actually. I agree so. with you, it's a little done. Yeah, so, I had, I um, thought it was pretty good, I like the story, and I like how they came together, yeah. Um, like, they they kind of developed an organic and, like, genuine friendship and love. I think that was cool. And I also think, like the thing you said, Lauren, about how each of them had a problem that the other one didn't see as a problem. And, like, together they kind of unlocked each other's, like, problem yeah. lock. Yeah. And yeah. were able to, like, kind of just be people after that. Which was really cool. I didn't think about that when I was reading it. Um, but I will say that the moral of the story is just, like, men you are the me. worst, right? Yeah. Men are the worst. <laughs> And like, yeah. okay, great. Like, your husband and all your boyfriends, they're just they're like, shitty. why do we even need men, really? They're the worst. But I, I think mean, there, I ask myself I think there the is time. something, well, yeah. And so I mean, like, I, I appreciate like the value it has for, for you, but as a dude, I'm kind of like, all right, get on with it. I think there <laughs> is something though to, uh, and it's not, not necessarily like demonizing men, but there is something about like a lot, many, many cultures are it's like this simultaneous like women are catty to each other like women are like constantly competing and like something I've always heard and really found to be true in my personal experience is that like the idea that like women do not dress for men we dress for other women mm-hmm. like we want to like be you know what I mean that, yeah. that that's a the whole other point of like consumerism and things like that where it's like oh don't you like her shoes you should get shoes like her and then you'll be pretty or whatever but there's also a lot of like finding strength in women and how it's like we don't need to it's not that we need to like tear men down or like demonize men but we do need to build each other up yeah, and like, I think... So, I did like that in the sense, like... Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, it was, in this story, at the expense of the men in their lives, which is, you know, kind of sucks. Well, and, like... I mean, the, the, men, their lives the men in the book were, like, yeah. shitty. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Like, so, like... Or, in the short story, I should say. So, like, I can't complain too much. And, like, I understand that this is, like, really reflective of, like, a many, many, many women's, like, lived experience. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, like, complaining that this exists. I'm kind of saying, like... Sure, maybe yeah. someone will vote for it. You know, like, yeah. it I don't just, think it's going to be one I'm going to vote for. Yeah, it just—it does suck. It does suck that it does at the expense of all the dudes. But it's also too—it's just kind of like, hey, it's okay to find solace in your women friends. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be a competitive thing. That's or, valuable. Yeah, and I think uh, it's not necessarily about uh, the men, but the societal pressure that these women are going through. I mean, like. The bear dude definitely, like, gave her a raw deal because she he was abusing her, first of all, and so she was very easily swayed to thinking, uh, to burning his skin, I guess. Um, <laughs> and 
yeah, that's her fault somehow. And then, I mean, maybe she should have done that uh, before. <laughs> and then also this other woman is, uh, you know, kind of backed into this corner where she can only sit on a top of a hill the rest of her life without anybody with her and just, like, sit there. And because... she's also convinced herself that that's what she wants, too. Right. And yeah. that's her fault. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think I think that it's not made about, oh, men are the worst. It's just, like, oh, these... The, these are the boxes that women are put in in society. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I like stories that are about me. I'm not voting for it. <laughs> yeah. Was the I'm bear thing a metaphor? Oh, I'm, I am interested, though, because, like, I'm not trying to, like, I came into this being a sad puppy for, like, because I knew I was going to feel this way about some of these. And what? So okay, why, though? This, this, well, no, I'm not saying that this is, like, a bad story or that, like, this is not a story that doesn't need to be told or whatever. But yeah. like to me personally, it doesn't speak because I, a, I don't have to deal with those things, which are true problems for many people. And many people do have to deal with them, but like yes. it doesn't resonate for me on that particular important level. But and like, I'm not going to make excuses for that either. I know. I just saying that you have to also think that like women who read uh, fantasy and sci-fi like myself, have read so many stories that have no representation of themselves in it. And they still manage to enjoy it. And they don't mind because it's a good story. So I think that you're used to seeing yourself represented in stories, and that's great. But you also have to think of stories where you're not represented. So, But at the same time, you yourself earlier said that this was like one of the weaker stories of the bunch. I don't... Yeah, I didn't like that. That on top of having no representation for myself makes this like a no-go for me. Okay. Okay. Um, and let's see. The next story is the uh, that game we played during the war by Carrie Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I do actually know a bunch about Carrie Vaughn because I've read a bunch of her books. Um, let me preface this by saying this is one of my favorites in this. Uh, I, really I liked, liked it the it. most, too. Um, but Carrie, uh, her other books are... I enjoy her other They're mind books. readers, and I know what's on their minds. <laughs> and then she gets naked. <laughs> I mean, Trashy. I was surprised she didn't get naked, to be honest. Oh, there's I, a chance she could have gotten naked? I would have, I would have, no. I enjoy Carrie Vaughn's other stories. Um, Matt's like, what other stories? Give me the, give me right, a list. Right, no. But they're, they're very different from this, I think. And I... Was surprised to see it, and I'm actually happy because I I think she's I really like this one. Um, I'd like you guys to talk about it because I talk about it a lot, so go for it. Okay, um, I, I like. Yeah, this. why don't you take lead? Yeah, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you summarize this? Lauren one? says this because I don't think she actually made it through the end. <laughs> I read half. That's okay. That's okay. I I did read this one just before we started, and I really enjoyed it. I thought that all the characters had like unique and interesting voices. The the setup was like um, the premise rather was like very clear and like sci fi in nature. Yeah. As opposed to some of these where it was like, there's magic or something, who knows? <laughs> Maybe I'm a harpy. I don't know. Maybe. And, but also it had like a political dimension that was w- built around this world where the 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 sci fi element m- made it um, import like. The way that these two cultures live their their lives was dependent on this sci-fi element. So it was like very 
well-built world in which these two yeah. characters had like a very human connection. Yeah. Which I thought was really good. And it was also yeah. around something that was like very simple. Like the game was the the game they played during the war was chess and yeah. so that like brought it really close to home that we could all understand how they connected. Ch- chess will exist in the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess the premise of the, the the story for those of you who haven't read it is that there's a war that's just ended between these two groups, these two races, I guess. I think and one is human, right? I think they might both be human. It's not really clear. Okay. They're just like, one of them, though, is telepathic, and the other one, the other group isn't. And so somehow they've created a, a, a peace treaty that's just now taking effect. And so one of the nurses from the side that isn't telepathic goes to visit a soldier who she had to care for who is part of the military of the side that is Telepathic. Telepathic, yeah. So they become friends through their various meetings in different prison camps and things. At one point she gets captured, at one point he gets captured, and they both see each other on both sides. And through that they become actual friends and maybe more. Yeah. And so at the end of the war, she goes to visit him in, in the hospital. And it's about how she, like how weird it is to, to move among these people who can know all your thoughts immediately, but also how... But she doesn't care because she likes this guy a lot or whatever, you know? Yeah. I I really... Uh, this story I actually thought about a lot after I stopped reading it, which is what makes me think that it's a really good one because it's... Um, yeah, so they played chess during the war when she was a prisoner of war in his camp, and she got so depressed that they eventually released her because she was... Like, they could all feel her depression and everything, and they are like, oh... Yeah. We need to get her somewhere else because she she's not going to survive. <laughs> she's, she's bringing us down. But like, no, she's really, a total though, like, bummer. Right? That's one of the things they say in the book is that, or in the, the story is that, like, that there was these rumors about like terrible torture going on in these like tele- telepathic uh, prison camps. But the truth is, like, there was nothing of the sort because yeah. they could feel all of your sadness and pain, and so they didn't want to inflict it on you because then they would have to deal with it. Yeah, they'd have to deal with it. And I think the the whole point of the story is that they're playing chess, and he's telepathic, and she's not, so he can see everything that she's thinking. So, like, imagine playing chess against someone who can tell everything that you're going to do. knows exactly what you're going to do, yeah. And basically what she does is she just moves around wildly and, like, like doesn't random. think about it, and just like, whoa, 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 and she eventually wins, and... She, they draw a crowd because they're they're like the thoughts that go on in your head while you're playing this game are really beautiful and complicated and it's interesting to see and so tons of people are watching and they're like, well now I know how you won the war like you just you're just crazy and she's <laughs> like this is how we how we not we didn't lose like yeah, she this didn't, is how we failed like, to lose yeah we ha- we just failed to lose like I'm just gonna move. I, it reminds me of when Matt, you and I used to play Goldeneye. Yeah, I remember. This is what it reminded me of too. <laughs> Emily. And so okay, we used to play I would, Goldeneye. Emily, you should tell it. I would. We would uh, get. I would find the closest rocket launcher and just find a corner to murder myself. <laughs> I was so much better at it than she was because she never got to play that much. And so whenever we played together, she would just find the first explosive thing she could find and just throw it on the ground. And the game was. For her to kill herself before I could kill her. And she was good at it. It was really frustrating. <laughs> Matthew got so mad. He was so mad. And I, it was the funnest game ever. <laughs> but that's exactly what this woman was doing. Yeah. She, her, her point was just to befuddle her opponent. Not necessarily to win not or lose. Not to win. But just to re- evoke a reaction. Yeah. 
Oh god, and I just deprive, I really love deprive it. you of the sweet, yeah, sweet exactly. KOs. <laughs> His KD ratio just stayed the same because it couldn't kill me. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes when he got too close, he would die too, so my KD ratio would move. And it was oh, just the god. most glorious thing <laughs> ever. You get too close to the grenade to it and like, like suicide, suicide bomber. <laughs> So, um, that, oh. like, that very forcibly reminded me of my days playing GoldenEye. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This is one of my favorites, too. Yeah. I, I liked it, um, quite a lot. <laughs> well, and I also love this idea, too. Sorry, I just stuck on this imagery of GoldenEye, because you guys are sitting right beside each other. You have, like, the split screen. <laughs> yeah. You can see what the other person is doing. Yeah, it's very much the same. Uh, you know, and it, but it's also like, what the fuck is Emily doing? Yeah, like, no, uh, he like, knew what I was doing. That was yeah, the funny like, part. The first time, maybe I was like, Did this oh. happen on accident? No. No, 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 were no. You like, I was were like, you like, I don't want to play this, so I'm just going to suicide myself in the no, game? I, I think I saw him coming, and he had a gun, and I didn't. <laughs> And I was like, set a mine, set a mine, and I set a mine, and I, and I just killed myself, and I was like, genius. <laughs> uh, and then you just started doing that, and then you realized what she was doing? Yeah, and then for like, for like at least a year after that, that's how we played the game. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, and I think because... when he had friends come over, he was like, yeah, she just does that, and... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, oh, why God. does your sister play Goldeneye by just blowing herself up? It's like, I can't even. <laughs> she just, that's how she thinks it's played. Um, but it's kind of yeah, interesting, so. too, to, like, I like one of the themes of that is, like, overcoming, like, obvious obstacles or, like, just, like, making it work, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was a cool thing, because um, that's, like, because he wanted to play chess, and she was like, well, we can't, and so she's like, well... I can do this, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just randomly move pieces around. Ah, like, yeah. I can't beat Wait, you. Like, um, I, I, it's that uh, saying, I think it's a song lyric that's like, when the deck is stacked against you, just play a different game. That's like been my motto for a long time, <laughs> including yeah. my GoldenEye days. I was like, well, the yeah. deck is stacked against me, so I'm going to play a different game. <laughs> uh, right, but the game that you, we, they ended up finding was kind of fun. I yeah. Mean, for you, anyways. It was and super for, fun for me. For her in the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, um, anyway, I was surprised. Hands down, I'll vote for this one because of the GoldenEye story. The GoldenEye story. Um, I, I, like I said, I like Carrie Vaughn's stories. I, I haven't read her in, like, a good five, six, seven years, so clearly she's evolved since the last time I read her, so, um, and then the last one is An Unimaginable Light by John C. Wright. I have to say I haven't read this one. Oh, I awkward. read it. I did not read it either. I read it. Okay, tell, um, tell us about it, uh, Lauren. Okay, I really... So I told Matt, I think you I think you both should read it at some point because I think you'll like it, but this yeah. would fit totally into our cyberpunk um, oh. episode because it's about um, robots and humans course. So I'm just going to break it down because um, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, it was one of those stories that you can tell they're trying really hard to be smart. Oh, okay. And it, and it is smart. Yeah. But it's all, there's sometimes I'm just like, it just, it almost sounds like they, like 
they're talking gibberish, basically. Yeah. But the idea of the story is that mankind, human beings, um, created robots. And they threw in, like, the three laws of robotics about you cannot hurt a human being or by inaction cause, you know, hurt a human being. You can't, you know. There's no need to recite them. Do you? (laughs) Does everybody know the three laws of robotics? I hate it when you do this. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it when you do this. So they create. Okay, I'm starting over now. Ellie, you, just, you can just edit out. They so created humans robots. created robots, and then they kept getting so better and better. So, like, think about um, Ghost in the Shell, where then you basically they get to a point where basically they have cyborgs because they have all these robots that have genetic, or not genetic, but like bio materials and stuff. Uh huh. And they um, have parts like parts of their brain they they have a like AI brain but there are human elements to it or whatever. Uh-huh. Um and basically it kind of gets to that part where like uh the robots are like so be, because of the three laws of robotics they basically are like oh like humans can't really take care of themselves. So the story takes place in the future world where Robots basically convinced human beings that they should be in charge. Oh. And now human beings are, like, the slave labor. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so, like, it got to a point where, like, yeah, robots started off as, like, field hands and doing that kind of stuff. And then as it got cheaper and cheaper to make them and to have surplus of goods and food and stuff. Yeah. um, Human beings started living wealthier but then because they were being like they were wealthy or whatever they are um basically lose their lose their empathy and kind of like lose their moral codes and then robots like step in and they become they they become the people in charge and then the robots kind of have a similar de-evolution as it were yeah so it's based around this interrogation of what you think is a robot and this guy who's like um almost like an inquisitor or like an enforcer yeah and he like questions the robots to make sure that their programming is correct and when it's not correct he um either has them trained to be corrected or whatever or they self-destruct okay he 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 gives them the command to self-destruct themselves yeah so you find out at the end of the story after he's like the the woman robot he's interrogating he's like condemned to die um because he gives her the direct order of like you should self-destruct and she's like I can't do that because I'm not allowed to like destroy property and he's like you found this ridiculous loophole by just saying that like whatever you don't want to do is for my own good and it would cause harm to me oh um interesting so so he decides to like physically actually like burn her like on a pyre or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And he, and he broadcasts everything. Oh. Okay. Um on camera to everyone else to say like this is what we do with robots and blah blah blah. Hmm. And then there's like the guard who's like helping him. He's like chaining the woman up. It's like, Maria, you don't have to do this anymore. It's gone far enough, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Nope, I need to make this sacrifice because this guy is nuts. Oh. <laughs> And he's a total sadist. Yeah. Um, the robot has become a sadist. So you learn that, like, when 
it's pretty graphic, actually, but, like, after she burns, he's like, ah, ha, 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 this is what happens, and then he kind of looks over, and he's like, where is the brain box? Why is there all this blood everywhere? And then you, and then it's like, because she is the human, and you are the robot. And, like, she's trying to make this point that, like, you have lost your way. So it's like they gain sentience. Anyways, so then, because he hurt a human, he self-destructs because that's what the the robot still... That's interesting. As a robot, he's still bound to that, whatever. Hmm. So anyways, it's, like, kind of hard to explain. I mean, it's way deeper than that, but like I said, it's it's one of those stories that, like, it, it is smart. It's a very interesting idea. It's got a good twist because you... Honestly, when I was reading it, I was like, okay, what's going to be the thing, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, she's not being compliant. She's not doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, like, what is the thing? And then you realize it's because she's a human being. Oh, interesting. So, hmm. I mean, it was, it, was, it was good. I thought it was good, but it was also just kind of like... More of the same, almost. Like, robots and humans and whatever. Yeah, yeah and just and trying to decipher. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. very much like, yeah, it was taking itself, like, really seriously. And it was just kind of like... Um, yeah, there, there are certain points where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, like... I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to keep reading. Because <laughs> it's just so... Kind of con- it's a little convoluted, I thought. Yeah. I, I did read, like, but the enjoyable. first couple of pages. And I was like, okay. And I had to do something else, so I couldn't finish it. <laughs> Yeah. But I so, definitely... Instance, it's it's very graphic. I mean, at one uh, point, the the robot who thinks he's a human basically tells her... He beats her and then tells her to go down on him. Yeah. So I, it's, it's I definitely saw that wrong. coming like a mile away, by the way. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, And okay. he says, you're obviously a whore bot. Yeah. You're not a field hand. You're obviously a whore bot. Yeah. Um... Okay. Yeah, it's very weird, and so it's one of those things that I would also, like, I would... So, if you were to look up this guy's picture, you would see the definition of a neckbeard. I was going to say, is he a neckbeard? Because it sounds like it. Yeah. I think that's why I stopped reading it. I was like, he definitely spent a lot of time describing the robe. Oh, yes, he has a fedora on. (laughs) In his Wikipedia picture. (laughs) My God. Okay. Um, But he's... Yeah, I mean, like, he's the definition of a neckbeard, and he definitely described the the robot, like, very specifically, her butt and her boobs, and I was like, <laughs> I can see where this is going, yeah. um, and that's kind of why I stopped reading as well, um, so I, yeah, I'm safely gonna say I don't care for that one. Yeah, so, like, as much as I was complaining earlier about, like, the why of all, like, this different kind of, um, sexualities and other stuff like that, I will admit that, like, if you give a white guy money to make a video game, you're gonna get Space Marines. Yeah. If you give a white guy money to write a sci-fi story, you're gonna get robots. Yeah. And so it's like... Whorebots. Whorebots. You will get whorebots. You will get sex bots almost guaranteed. I demand fellatio. So, I, like, I can't argue with, like, the interesting and new voices that are being heard now in in sci-fi, which I really appreciate, but um, my concerns about the other things are not diminished, I guess. Yeah. When I also, kind of what you said when you were, like, talking about, like, it's not, when we were talking about whatever, whatever, and it was, like, um, ice and, or glass glass and iron, 
and you're like, I don't feel, you know, you're like, I'm not represented, but also it's like the weakest of the stories. So then there's part of me, it's like, I know that you didn't read The un- Unimaginable Light or whatever, but it's like, so so how are you represented in that story? <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. You know, like... I mean, frankly, it's a little bit embarrassing. I think, um, I'm glad I didn't read it. I think probably that would have been, that sounded like one of the weaker stories. Yeah. Just because, like, it's the same old stuff that we've heard before. Robots yeah. and humans and who has the most humanity and, like, yeah. are who's you sentient or not? not. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I get it. We've, we've read it before, you know? Yeah. And, like, to the credit of all the other authors, like, it's stuff that we hadn't necessarily heard before. You yeah. Know, which is important. Yeah. Um, so... Out of all of them, which one would you choose? We're going to take it on your on your word, Lauren, that that was a pretty weak story. The last yeah. one we talked about. Well, I mean, like I said, i I didn't think it was I didn't think it was bad, mm-hmm. but I'm also not sure why it got nominated. Hmm. I mean, it could be like vestiges of less vestiges of sad puppy people. Yeah, I think there is uh, some sad vestiges of the sad puppy. Um, which is, you know, indicated by those, the, uh, you know, that person I was going to represent <laughs> for the right. Hugos. And also there's uh, one for best novelette. One of the nominees is called, and I quote, Alien Stripper, Bone from Behind by T-Rex by... Oh, no, 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 no. You're cock, talking... His cocks. You're talking about uh, Tingle. Uh, Jet, what's his name? Jeff Tingle or something? No, his name is Sticks His Cocks. Oh. That's his name. Huh. So, no, like, this is a different subject, though, because this is, like, like, outlandish porn that, like, borders on transhumanism. It's, like, so I'm actually really interested in reading it, because I'm like... How is this nominated? Is it a joke? Is it this sad puppy thing? Or is it like, you know, I, what is I, it? I genuinely think that it's actually becoming like artistic, like fine art almost. <laughs> okay. Because these people, there's like this whole genre of porn novelettes that are like eight pages long, almost exactly. And there's like two or three sex scenes in each one. And, but they're like super topical. They're on the moment. Like Trump got elected and it was like, boned in the Oval Office by the golden dildo whatever blah 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 <laughs> and like every time something comes out or something happens in the news there's another one of these things that drops interesting and they're super topical but they're also absolutely nonsensical yeah like just outlandishly like it's hard to even believe that they're porn despite like the graphic sex scenes because rocks come to life and have sex with people or like <laughs> and they're all it's like mostly gay sex too not there that, like, wa- that doesn't exist, but, like... Right. It's just... It's, it's weird. just so outlandish that, like, trucks will have sex with dinosaurs, and, like, it just, <laughs> like... It veers off from, like, pornography into just, like, weird thought experiments about transhumanism. And, like, if things came alive, what would they do? And more importantly, how would they have sex? That's interesting. That is really very interesting way to think of it. There was actually a, uh... I think it was an erotica novel written about a quarterback who had just like won the Super Bowl or something and it, they for the cover they used his engagement photo to his actual real life wife Aww. as the cover no not all it's creepy um and no, no no I meant like oh like poor guy yeah and they like, that kind of sucks they <laughs> definitely like sent a cease and desist a letter you know yeah 
Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, no, that that was an awe of, like, pity, not oh, like, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... Where are my awes? I'm going <laughs> to see what it's about, because now I'm interested about transhumanism and uh, stuff. Yeah. Chuck Tingle is, like, is the author I was thinking of. Yes. Okay. Tingle. A is bunch he the one of that books. does he is he the one that does the dinosaur ones? Yeah. And he teamed yeah. up with uh Zoe uh, How do you read these things without getting like weird shit on your computer? <laughs> I only know the of questions. these things. <laughs> Could you be more specific? Like if I'm like gonna if I Google this guy, I feel like I will immediately get bombarded. <laughs> oh no, he sells it on Amazon and stuff. Internet okay. cooties, yeah. Just go to just Chuck Tingler. Yeah. But he's <laughs> Just working also with uh, Zoe Unburnt Witch on t- Twitter, who is like the the locus, like the center point for the Gamergate controversy. They're working right. together on a game. I actually have her book. I don't know her book, but uh, my point is, it's like he is like a, a erotica artist, but like also. She kind of is too, and like they're working together on something that that's will, weird should be pretty awesome if you ask me, frankly, because her games are really good. Okay, it's just like oh, they're working together on a game. Talk about her. Yeah, they're working together on a game. Oh, is okay. it a sexy game? I imagine. I mean, it has to be, right? she's a trans person, and he's all about butt sex. So, like, I think <laughs> <laughs> that's like his bread and butter. So, transhumanism, like, butt sex. <laughs> Okay, interesting. I will have to report back. I can't about look this. at anything now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, have you received your packet from the Hugo people? No. Okay, Maybe. you should you should get an email from them that has all these ready for download. You like you get all these books and novels free. I got an email. Okay, well, you need to <laughs> so, so the answer is you it. did. So <laughs> maybe. Ma- yeah. For our listeners, it. Matthew and I are going to the Hugos this year in Helsinki, Finland, which is going to be fun. And we're going to try and go to Russia as well, but that may or may not work, depending <laughs> on whether we get a visa. So, just so you know, getting a visa to Russia, you have to get a three year visa for Russia, it's, which is weird. And you also have to be personally invited by some entity in yes, the country. Yes, personally invited. Like you need a letter. A weird, yeah. Um, which is, it's like <laughs> aggressively friendly. Like, the, it's real weird. Like, <laughs> it's like uh, keep your enemies closer kind of deal. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. But yeah. anyway, um, this is a special thing for only Americans, by the way. Number. Only Americans can get this three-year visa or have to get this three-year visa. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, um, but Finland, yeah, that'll be fun at least. And um, we didn't talk about what we would choose. Oh yeah, you guys just made me feel like <laughs> like I was shit talking this. No, <laughs> like, so it's, so it really sucks, Lauren. I'm like, uh, yeah. no, we called him a neckbeard while you were gone. We just that's sure. true. That's true. I did not like it. I mean, it's right. Okay, that's so my that's my opinion on it. Whether or not it deserves an keep, award or let's not. Let's keep but, moving. Yeah. I don't um, know. I like the game we played during the war. You like that one? That's the that one you're gonna vote for? What about yeah. you, Lauren? Um I feel like I would like that one. The game oh, you haven't read it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read all the way through it. Okay. Um I will I'll call it I'll call that one my favorite. Because I well I read I read half of it. I the, just didn't the get game to you played it. in the during the war you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think um, I think an unimaginable light, which is the one that the only one that I read, um, 
The only reason I'm circling back around to it is because I think you guys should read it. Mm -hmm. But I think when I read it, I thought of it immediately in terms of our cyberpunk. So I was like, hey, I think you would enjoy reading it, but only because we had a very recent, like... Sure. So talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think it's readable. Does it deserve a Hugo? I don't think so. Okay. I think um, the 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 fist of permutations. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like that one. As far as I'm concerned, like like we said, it was like kind of tricky at times, kind of under like hard to understand. But I think our discussion about it made me really enjoy it. I more. agree. Yeah. I think the discussion and like thinking about it, it was a lot more interesting than the, the story itself. Yeah, yeah. It, like it, maybe to get the full meaning of it, you have to reach out and talk to somebody. I think you have to kind of let it cook a little. Like it took me yeah. a while to kind of get a handle on it. And I think, like you said, you read it twice. I didn't read it twice, but I definitely like read it, and then I was like, I'm going to go back a couple paragraphs and read that again. Like oh okay all right. Um, what do you what did you think, Emily? Was the best one? I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I really liked a city born great. Um, just for the ending, but after talking about it, I'm kind of like yeah, like 75 percent of that was like, what? When are we getting to the good part? Um, <laughs> right. But the idea of it is just really powerful. But then again, I just read Amer. Well, I tried to read American Gods. It's uh, terrible. <laughs> Uh, what? I hated it, yeah. Absolutely. <gasps> no. I'm sorry. No. Um, okay. We should talk about that later on a different yeah. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Now um, we have to talk about it on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that also won a Hugo, by the way, the American Gods yeah. and yeah. a Nebula. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I think probably the games we played during the war. Um, although I did like A Fist of permutations and lightning so i don't know i think probably i liked go ahead uh after our discussion like the ones that give me the most warm feeling is the game we played during the war because i connected to it so much (laughs) um but i i think a fist of permutations was very like um i don't know there's been a lot of death in my family recently and it was kind of very touch that part of me I guess you know so I don't know I don't know I'll still have to think about yeah. it I think my top three would be the death or I'm um, sorry the uh, the game we played during the war the permutations of lightning and wildflowers yeah. and the city born whatever the city born great yeah yeah the city born great those maybe not in that order but definitely the game we played in the war number one and the other two kind of yeah in the, the running for second yeah um I didn't mean to make you not like your seasons of glass and iron, um, Lauren. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, um, I think that that was one of those things where I agree with you. Where I really liked kind of the overall idea, idea of it. Yeah, the kind of the themes that it presented, yeah. and we we touched a lot about that. Just like overcoming your own negative thoughts and being trapped by people who will cultivate them. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I really, I do love, like, folk stories and I love fairy tales, but you're totally, I mean, I think that's part of why I was like, oh, okay, it's like a folk story. And then it was like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like exactly everything else. Like yeah, <laughs> like everything else. And so, I guess, um, so it's not that I don't like it, but I also was kind of like, oh, I didn't realize kind of how, um, 
Yeah. Un ununique. Yeah. I guess. Mundane, perhaps. Derivative. Yeah, Maybe derivative. Unoriginal. Derivative, unoriginal. Yeah. And just kind of like, I mean. I did like, like I said when we were talking about it, I, I really like the idea that they both had like the opposite problem or like problems yeah. that could, that were like the, the locks to each other's, or the keys to each other's locks, They could fix each other, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that was a cool idea. Yeah. And uh, really, stories. really, really quick. I do want to talk about. Um, there's another Hugo called the Best Dramatic Presentation. It's for movies. Um, I think we've probably seen most of these. I'm gonna list them out: Arrival, Deadpool, Ghostbusters, Hidden Figures, Rogue One, Stranger Things. And my thought on this, thanks, Matt, is um, <laughs> that so Deadpool. I just I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's very funny. It's not anything new. And I, I agree. Think I. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah, I I would like to see it. I just don't think it's Hugo worthy. Agreed. Um, I think also Ghostbusters. I loved it. Not a new concept. Um, Agreed. And I think uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just like not a new concept. It's like yeah, it's it's Ghostbusters too. It's Ghostbusters. <laughs> they've, they've already done like it. Four really. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think you guys should see it. It is very funny. But um, I saw it. It was good. Yeah. Hidden figures, not sci-fi. Agreed. Agreed. So, as good That's as... very much science fiction, because it happened. <laughs> like, yeah. it's science fact, actually. Yeah. It's I based really on a true enjoyed story. it, and I think Taraji P. Henson was amazing in it. I it was a great movie. I don't think... Once again. It deserves a Hugo, because it's not speculative fiction. Just because it has a spaceship doesn't mean it's sci-fi. Right. <laughs> we actually have spaceships, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, that's what that movie was about, actually. <laughs> yes, right. how we got the spaceships. <laughs> um, Rogue One, I really liked, but yes, at its but. heart, is a action movie. Like I think, I think at its heart is an. Action I don't think movie. that matters. I agree. I just don't think it was a good movie. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Okay. I've had this that's argument. That's another podcast. I've had this <laughs> argument with Matthew before. Matthew is a troglodyte and doesn't think this <laughs> movie is a good movie. That's fine. He I can have... be wrong and strong. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Might uh, makes right, anyways. <laughs> um, so Rogue One, but like at its heart, I feel even though it is a Star Wars movie, it is very much an action movie. Like a war movie, lots of things explode. There's desperate rebellion. It's really great war movie. So I, I, I when I well, first, why does that why does that make it any less science fiction if it takes place in if it takes place in space and on other planets and I think so. What we've I th- what I've seen from these short stories is that it speculative fiction is a lot about the idea and not and like the idea has to be a good one for it to really be you know I think catch what, our attention I think what, you're, what Emily's saying is that it's kind of like a, a war movie with a sci-fi rapper yes okay so like it it doesn't matter as opposed matter. to a concept that is it's truly sci-fi okay yeah yeah um, and so when I first saw this list, I was like, well, hands down, Rogue One wins, because I hadn't seen Stranger Things and uh, Arrival. So, okay, yeah, I hadn't <laughs> seen either of those, and I was like, well, obviously Rogue One. And then I was like, well, I should watch them all. And so I watched Stranger Things next, and I was like, oh my god, Stranger Things wins, hands down. And then I watched Arrival, <laughs> and I was like, Arrival wins, hands down. So... <laughs> 
that's where I'm at. Right I think now. Arrival does win. I think hands Arrival down. wins hands down. Yeah. Stranger Things under- is close. But, I don't understand why yeah. Stranger Things is, but it's not a movie. It's speculative fiction, so it's like uh, this fantasy. But is know. it a film? I mean, what's the the category? It's for performance, best dramatic perf- presentation. So, oh, okay. If it's, okay. I, I guess they're taking it as a series. <laughs> they also yeah. have like best dramatic presentation short form, which is TV uh, episodes specifically. But I oh, don't okay. think you can take short, uh, Stranger Things as like a whole, just because it it's just a pretty short series. But yeah. yeah, I watched Stranger Things and I loved it, and it's very interesting and like so creepy so creepy so well shot and like the actors mm-hmm. are so great but it it doesn't have the that idea that arrival has you know i yeah. I, right. I think i'm a little biased because like i love it when obscure anthropological theories become the root of <laughs> like an entire deep movie but like uh, that's exactly why I like that movie. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, you gonna watch Mummy when it comes out? What? Are you gonna watch Mummy when it comes out? Absolutely. Is not. it already out? <laughs> no. Why is Tom Cruise in that movie? That's my that's question. an action movie with a anthropological rapper. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't believe Tom Cruise knows anything about anthropology for a second. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I think Arrival. Me and Dad watched Arrival a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Yeah, this wins. This definitely wins." <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I there oh, are so some good. some uh, flaws. They play really fast and loose with the Savior Wharf hypothesis. That's doesn't mean you can time travel, but whatever. <laughs> no, but you can see the future. Yeah, if you could speak alien time travel language you could see I thought it was very fascinating that idea yeah. that like you could just see time and space well and it's speculative fiction yeah. for a reason you know yeah. it's not a technical and document. I think it's definitely like that idea is the main point of that movie I mean right. it was that's definitely well a sci-fi otherwise. with a something else rapper with a sci-fi rapper a sci-fi rapper right so anyway I, that was my choice I don't know what you guys would think I agree yeah, right. You hit it all in the head, basically, except for the thing about Rogue One. You must be damaged, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You can be wrong. It's fine. Um, yeah. I love how you two are having this argument, and I'm the one with the Star Wars tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, sitting back watching, trying to figure out what did you where think? this all started. You liked it, didn't you? You like all Star Wars. I did, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to take uh, comments off air though, because yeah. yeah, I'm I'm curious to <laughs> know why Matt fights. doesn't like it. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening, listeners. Um, let us know what you think. Read the stories and yeah, send us your comments at suggestions at lifenarrated dot com. Also um, about the movies. Oh uh, yeah, also about the movies. I'd like to hear your thoughts and feelings, and tell Matthew how wrong he is about Rogue One. Uh, or you can disagree with me and show Emily that she's full of hot air. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we will it's talk. The politest to you. thing he's ever said to his sister. I know, right? <laughs> I feel so nice now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we will talk to you again in a month. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye. Hello, listeners, and welcome to e- <laughs> Epilogue. Is the other one <laughs> wrong? Um, <laughs> Hello, listeners, and welcome to Life Narrated, the podcast about life and the story we tell. The stories we tell. Can I try that again? (laughs) Turn your AC back on. I think you're having heat stroke. Do you want to get a drink of water or something? I'm all right. I'm okay. (laughs) Hello, listeners, and welcome to... (laughs) (laughs) Matt, take over. I'm going to write...
I'm this benching. down. <laughs> um, I'm going to write it down so I don't fuck it up. Great podcasting, Emily. I know. I'm just amazing at this. Um, luckily, I also edit this, so I can just cut all <laughs> <the> shit out. 